Welcome to our study of Hebrews chapter 9 here on the Radio Bible Chorus. I'm reading from verse 1 today. Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly sanctuary. For a tent was prepared, the outer one, in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain stood a tent, called the Holy of Holies, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, which contained a golden urn holding the manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail, These preparations having thus been made, the priests go continually into the outer tent performing their ritual duties. But into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood which he offers for himself and for the errors of the people. By this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the sanctuary is not yet opened as long as the outer tent is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body, imposed until the time of reformation. What the author has written here is a logical sequence to his explanation in chapter 8 where the tabernacle worship was said to be only a copy and shadow of the heavenly sanctuary. That means it was intended to be only a temporary activity which served as a figure of something better to come. These regulations of worship, according to Judaism, were given for some 1,400 years, and those regulations were based on the Old Covenant. It involved divine service which the priests performed. The Jews did not invent this worship. God gave this temporary worship which dealt with earthly things. And he also gave the law which spelled it out, and that law was holy and good and true. These people of God were told to build the tabernacle according to a precise plan, and each furnishing in that tabernacle was made as God had ordered. All these things and all these activities were designed to represent, in a figure, a better relationship, a better tabernacle in heaven, a better sacrifice, and a better high priest to come. He is Jesus Christ the Messiah of Israel. The point of it all was also expressed in chapter 8, where it is written, For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second. He also wrote of a new covenant foretold by the prophets, which implied it would replace the old covenant, and that old covenant is a clear reference to the one made at Mount Sinai, the covenant that the Jews have followed, also known as the Law Covenant or the Mosaic Covenant. 
And so in chapter 8, verse 13, he wrote, In speaking of a new covenant, he treats the first as obsolete. The new covenant has come, and it has been established by the death of its mediator. We're going to see that in Hebrews chapter 9, beginning with verse 15, where it says, Therefore, he, that is a reference to Christ, is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred, which redeems them from the transgressions under the first covenant. So we see that the new covenant has been established, and although its fulfillment to Israel and Judah is future, when all will know the Lord, we who are Gentiles and members of the church are already blessed, by the new covenant established by the death of Jesus Christ. Now, if you are troubled by the declaration that the law and the worship of the first covenant are obsolete, remember that God alone determines what is temporary and what is eternal. God told Noah to build an ark, but he told no one else to do that, and he hasn't told you to do that. The ark was for deliverance, for people at that time only. He also told the twelve tribes to occupy the land, but he didn't tell you to do it. He told them the blood would make atonement for sin, but he has not instructed us to do likewise. We don't offer sacrifices to make atonement, that is, animal sacrifices, and we don't even trust in Jesus Christ to make atonement. We trust in Christ for something better than atonement. Now, this is important. Atonement means a covering. And the blood of animals made a covering so that God's judgment would not fall on the people. That was his gracious provision. But nowhere in the New Testament does it say that the blood of Jesus Christ makes atonement. That's something we have been misled about. Every reference to the blood of Jesus Christ talks about the removal of sin, not the covering of sin. So you see, we have something far more important in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ than the animal sacrifice could accomplish. Some of God's revelation was only for Israel and only for a limited time. Other things are revealed to the church for as long as the church remains here. Best of all, God's word declares, with Christ has come something better. The law was a shadow, but Christ is the reality. Now let's begin with chapter 9, verse 1. He writes, Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly sanctuary. Notice the word had, emphasizing that those ordinances or regulations are past. And he talks about worldly or earthly sanctuary. It means it was a material and visible structure in contrast to the one that is spiritual in heaven. The word sanctuary is never used of a church building in the Bible. The word means a holy place, something set aside by God and for God. That being the case, our meeting places should never be called sanctuaries because God has not set them apart as holy. 
but he has set us apart as holy. And we should not deny that Christ lives in each believer's. I suggest that we should not attend church to get close to God, for he lives within the believer. And if you don't believe, it won't do you any good to go to church to get close to God, because that's not how you get close to him. We come to God by faith in Christ Jesus. And you don't need a church to help with that. On the contrary, in some churches... You might even be hindered in coming to God through Christ because the Bible is not preached there. Friends, if you're not sure about this, if you do not know that you have eternal life, read the Gospel of John. God himself will teach you. I have often said to people, read John chapter 3, learn about the promises which Christ gives there, and read Romans chapter 3 and Romans chapter 4 and let God teach you personally to believe in his Son and to get eternal life. You'll learn all about redemption and you'll be freed of your sins. Now, our meeting places are nothing more than auditoriums. Although men might dedicate these, these structures for God's use, it is not the place of meeting between men and God. He calls his people his temple and our bodies as his dwelling place. Now respect what God respects. Now the next four verses, verses 2 through 5, discuss this holy structure of the Old Testament called the tabernacle and then later the temple. Complete details are found in Exodus chapters 25 through 31 and again in Exodus chapter 35 through 40. Listen to one verse out of Exodus 25 verse 8. It reads, And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell in their midst. Its purpose then was so God would meet with his people. All the activities of the priests were to bring people near to God. In Exodus 25 verse 10, the first of God's instructions was to build an ark of acacia wood. The cover of this piece of furniture, which was like a chest, was called the mercy seat. And verse 22 of Exodus 25 reads, There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are upon the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you of all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. As we read those chapters in Exodus where the divine instruction is given, we will become impressed with the beauty of this construction as well as the precise details of every part. Yet, keep in mind this. Since that was all holy and attractive, what must the true tabernacle in heaven possess? And consider this, since this was done away by God, how much better the meeting place is in our hearts. God meets us in our own hearts. The old gives detailed regulations, the new gives none. The author wants the Hebrew readers of this book to be reminded of the glory of the sanctuary, 
so they will better appreciate what Christ has done. And that's going to come beginning with verse 11 of this chapter, which we'll come to perhaps next week. Now, in verse 2 and 3, at first reading, one might conclude that there were two tents. Now listen to it. For a tent was prepared, the outer one in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of presence, it is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain stood a tent called the Holy of Holies. Were there two tents? No, there was one. It had two major parts surrounded by a court. Because most of our listeners are Gentiles who are largely unfamiliar with the details of this tabernacle, we'll take that up beginning next Monday. I'll be here and I hope you'll join me. When I first began reading the Bible as a teenager, I became upset when I read about how false teachers were telling people that they needed to do things in addition to believing in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Well, I'm no longer upset about that. I'm rather grateful because Paul had an opportunity to combat those arguments of the false teachers, and we now have it preserved for us in the epistles. Do you need to do more than believe in Jesus Christ, or is Jesus Christ enough? The Bible teaches us that faith alone in Christ alone is the way to God, and Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. How do you come to him? Through faith, by believing that he is God's Son who died for your sins and rose again and wants to save you. Until next week, this is Nick Calavoto reminding you that the word gospel means good news.